Hmm, interesting. Never thought I'd see the day when this would happen. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, your Practical Priestess of Wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So yes, join me on the flip as we get into talking about decoding the heist. I'll see you then. Today, talking about decoding the heist, what I want to first do is go back and actually say what I'm talking about with regards to a heist. And yes, it is a traditional sense of a theft, a robbery, shoplifting, or anything like that. And with uh, regards to the scope of what we're talking about today, it's that hidden heist, the one that is happening behind the scenes and it's done before you know what has happened. So yesterday we talked a little bit about the heist being coded and we talked about an article out of TechCrunch where it talked about uh, FBI, the FBI issuing a warning. And we use it as an example to show how the codes and the symbols and things are out there to get us to react to the things that uh, will keep us off of the scent of what's really going on, the distractions. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about what we need to do from a wisdom standpoint and how we need to look at things. And the funny thing about the heist when we, when we think about it, uh, have taking something that's not yours or, uh, yeah, just the theft robbery is, it brings me back to a term that is oftentimes, uh, misused and it's, it can, it's not necessarily a term as much as it is a, a title or a, uh, distinction or, it, n- not necessarily a distinction. And that is this term called a Jezebel. And if we go back and look at what the Jezebel is from uh, when it first occurred in the Bible, we find a, a woman who is covetous. Yes. And her issue, it was that uh, she wanted her neighbor's land. She she wanted somebody else's something. And she went about it in uh, not too, too nice of a way. She did not succeed, but she tried. And um, the how it became someone who was a harlot or, or a brazen woman with regards to... Um, um, her body or whatever. I don't know how that came about, but just suffice it to say, Jezebel was a heister. She, she was a person trying to steal someone else's land, their possessions, uh, because she wanted what, what, what somebody else had. And so that's the first thing I want to say with regards to decoding the heist is recognize when you see that type of person, the person who is who is covetous, who, who wants what you have. And a lot of indicators are going to be our good old nemesis, je- uh, jealousy and envy. When you start to notice that from people, do not try to figure out, well, why are they jealous of me? I've done nothing. Jealousy and envy has nothing to do about with you. Jealousy and envy are not struck because of something you did or said. Jealousy and envy has to deal with that person 
on their own. And so don't even worry about it. So let's get into some of the wisdom smacks that we can learn today about decoding this heist. So the first thing uh, I want to deal with is you or us as a person and how to get ourselves uh, positioned in the in the right way to be able to sense when when this is afoot. And that is, first and foremost, we need to change it up and be different in what we observe, what we take in, and what we expect. And to be different, that means that we're going to use all of the things that we've talked about many times on this podcast of being adaptable, but also circumspect. And I, I like that word because it means looking all the way around to see something. Um, of course, we want to be clever, wise, cunning, and shrewd, but we also want to be able to see things from various angles while we're being clever, while we're looking at them differently so that you can see the different layers. And that's what uh, decoding the heist uh, is set on. It is set on never looking at something as face value. I saw something written the other day um, about uh, YouTube and uh, YouTube has new uh, laws handed down from the FTC, Federal Trade Commission here in the United States, uh, about what, what is called COPA. And it is a law when uh, dealing with programming for children, how to not advertise to them, monetize them, and uh, different little things that are going to be affecting uh, the YouTube um people who, who make the videos. And so everyone's running around trying to get ready and understand what's going to happen when it, once it goes into effect. And I, like I said, I, I've seen many people giving their take on it, but there was this one person who he did such a great job because he was able to see the various layers and he was able to detect and decode and help others who needed help to see what's really going on. So that brings me to how do we begin to break things down with the layer upon layer? And that is we have to learn subtleness, subtlety, and understand the the nuance of our nature. And the nuance of our nature is self-preservation first, but it's also to uh, survive and thrive. And so we are always looking for ways to get ahead. Um, I've talked about this in other podcasts, uh, especially when I did the one talking about biases, um, when people are trying to make, you know, make sure that they're always right. And it's called confirmation bias. And then a subsect of that is the Dunner-Krieger effect, where no matter what you say, people are going to just still believe what they want to believe. But with that, it came out of when we were still a hunter-gatherer society in small groups and people would do do the work and others would slack off and they the more shrewd if you will ones they weren't considered quote unquote lazy they were considered being able to get over on others because they would learn how to use this finesse 
this and use this ability to shirk uh, hard labor. And so uh, it is said that that is part of how, why we are wired the way we are to stick to our own beliefs because we, our ancestors developed this gene of trust no one but yourself. And so Therefore, that's how you start to get a lot of stubbornness. But in today, in today's uh, podcast and in the context of what we're talking about here, we want to look at uh, being able to use the subtlety arts and the finesse of really seeing what's there and, and what, what we're dealing with. And so when you look at context, clues, patterns, metaphors, hiding in plain sight, uh, unintentional blindness. All of these are things that we are inherently gifted with, some more than others, but we can all learn them. We can all strengthen them or even just remind ourselves to to activate them. So let me break down this one called uh, unintentional blindness. And unintentional blindness is a, a factor that we don't see what we're not expecting to see. So for instance, there was a famous um, experiment done and you uh, had um, a team of people playing ball and the instructions to the spectators were to count the number of different colored balls that would be used. And so the, the play began, uh, they would do the balls and people were concentrating on counting the, the ball, the, the, color balls that were designated. And then once it was over, the person came out and asked people, well, you know, how many balls did you count? And people were giving their answers and then they gave the right answer of how many balls had been used of that color. But then they asked something else and they said, how many of you saw the gorilla? And most of the crowd was like, what? What gorilla? And sure enough, there had been a gorilla that had walked out into the middle of the game waved at people and then walked off. But because people were so busy with what they were expecting to see and concentrating on that, they did not see the gorilla. And this is one of the areas that if you're going to be able to detect the heist, detect what is really going on, you will learn to look for the gorilla. Learn to see what isn't there. Uh, she or he who has eyes to see, let them see. And it can be f- literal or figurative. Make sure that when you're going about your normal day, don't take your environment for granted. Start to look and see things and start to track. So unintentional blindness is, is one of the ways that we can become more aware of the subtlety and the finesse of the heist that's going on to be able to see what you're expecting as well as what you're not expecting. Another thing is, is like I said before, clues, patterns, and metaphors. Metaphors are really good in that we'll, we can, we're really good at seeing what is presented But when's the last time you ask yourself, is this representative of something else? Could this scenario, this situation, or this thing mean more than what it is? 
simply going deeper to ask the question of, is this a metaphor for something else, is going to help to separate those layers, those thin little layers that all sit on top of each other to hide the the heist that is uh, going on in front of us. Now, this is something that I've always wondered about because I was not born with it, but it's always been something that has given me pause and great curiosity. And that is how to decipher and pierce illusions, traps, and trickery. And so I find myself loving to see how uh, magic uh, acts are, are performed and put together, how sleight of hand is done. I am not a sleight of hand or a magic person and application, but I appreciate the art. And I've even made mention of uh, different articles and books and things, sometimes dealing with it. But with that, I want you to understand that part of what we are uh, wanting to do when we get to the meat and the metal of uh, what's happening in our surroundings is to understand that behind everything you see is a possible other reason. Um, there are there are uh, there was this meme that I had and it was wonderful and it had uh, you've probably seen it before as well it had um, a, a little cat and uh, you could it was behind the picture or the position of the cat the cat is looking in a mirror and and the picture is taken from behind the cat so we can clearly see that this is a little kitten but in the mirror is a big lion. And I was like, that is so wonderful because that is a lot of times what we see and how we see it. I know I can tend to be very optimistic and I can tend to see things that are wonderful that may not be there when I have a mind to. But because of that, I'm also aware that I have to make sure that I catch the subtleties and those types of things. So let me talk a little bit about the word finesse, because that is another thing that is usually happening. We are not realizing that we are being finessed. And to finesse something is to uh, apply a scheme that is so fine, so delicate, so subtle, that if you're not expecting it, you might miss it. And the very word finesse has an etymology to it that is magical. When you break it down, it goes down from finesse to finest to fine to fey. And so it was a word attributed to how fey folk were so subtle and shrewd in how they would manipulate and do things to humans that that word was used. And that that is still something that we have to be aware of. So going back to decoding, we first start with us where we have to learn to have things that are different, uh, be adaptable. Uh, yes, of course, use the, our, our clever wit, our cunningness and our shrewdness. But we also have to remember that there is a propensity for us to only see what we're expecting to see. So we got to remind ourselves to have, uh, to be on the lookout for the gorillas, you know, not have unintentional blindness. And then be aware of the nuance of our nature that some of us are really good at finessing and looking to see 
if there are things that are being presented that may be a metaphor for something else. It amazes me when I see people do reviews of movies and how you can go to the movie and you're like, this was a great movie. And you go and you listen to someone else review a movie and they saw five movies at the same time. You're like, whoa. And it, it, it like I said, it's a, it's a joy to watch. But this is part of breaking down the finesse and breaking down the fine lines between meanings and context, which brings me to another thing. If nothing else, if you're like, okay, Michelle, I can't do all this other stuff. I'm just, it's just too exhausting. I'm not made that way. What you see is what you get. This is going to be the top skill that I would ask you to make sure that you give attention to. And that is to be able to put things in context. Now, when we talk about the word context, we are talking about the way something is used at the moment in the proximity uh, where it makes sense. And so with context, excuse me, a lot of times people don't realize that things taken out of context can mean totally different things. And so um, we look at uh, context as, if we go back to the Latin meaning of it, meaning contextus, a joining together, uh, um, meaning that what we, we weave things together to, to form something that makes sense for the moment. And it is a skill. It doesn't have to be a gift. It's a skill that can be learned. People who are really good at context are, are very diplomatic, are able to be uh, to fit in. They are able to sense and know the timing of what to share, when to share it. And by using your understanding of context, you will be able to decipher and, and piece together what kinds of tricks or trickery is afoot because context has you do things like Ask yourself, who's behind this concept? Who's the creator or the author? What's important to them that might have been infused in the message or the presentation that I'm looking at? And context is also good at helping us to discover clues and patterns because context, we're always searching for the adjacent to give more meaning to it. So if you see something, you are only able to give a context to it if it reminds you of something or you understand uh, what is meant, meaning that you sometimes will get to the point where you ask yourself, what does this remind me of? Have I seen something like this before? Another thing is, with context, you're able to do wondrous things like, say, um, what is the exact opposite of this? What would the opposite of this look like? And that's real important because if you're able to switch and see something head on and use a contextual inquiry within yourself, like, where is this coming from? Who wrote this? Are there any atten- intentions done? Uh what does this remind me of? Have I have I encountered this before? What would the exact opposite of this look like? And here's another one that context will help you with. What's at stake here if I don't go along with it? Is there a shortcut that's too good to be true? I'm saying this and I, it probably seems so simple, 
But you would be amazed at how we, not some, we fail to employ the strength of the skill of context because it will save us. And once you start learning how to do these things, decoding the heist that's afoot becomes a little easier. But then there's another thing, and that is the sleight of mind. Not the sleight of hand, but the sleight of mind. And the sleight of mind does work a little bit like the sleight of hand in that we do tend to lean a lot on our, our senses. But instead of the sleight of hand being duped by what you see and what you don't see, The sleight of mind is duped by what you uh, expect to see and what happens when uh, you are in a societal thing. And so a lot of times they will, and I hate to use they and them and, you know, or whatever, but the powers that be that are enacting something on you to get something out of you, you know, to, to pull the heist on you. You want to look at, are they positioning something where it looks like the masses are embracing it? In his book, Influence, Dr. Robert Caldini uh, gave us uh, the six principles of uh, persuasion. And in that, he talks about um, social credibility. And uh, he talks about how people are more apt to go along with something when other people are going along with it, aka testimonials. That is why we, when we are in doubt of something, we get testimonials. And so if too, if, if too many people are, are going along with it, if something is a fad and, and everybody's embracing it, that is usually a marker that something is afoot, like herd mentality and possibly a slight of mind. What are you wanting me to concentrate on so that you can get away with something else? Um, whether it be entertainment or marketing or political, this stuff is the same. And so being able to understand that if everybody, everybody, and when I say everybody, I'm not talking about categorically, but the masses, if the masses are interested in this, use a little bit of that contextual skill that we just talked about to flip it over, reverse it and all of that and break down the multi-layers and also employ um, a bit of looking for the gorilla to see if the gorilla is there. And Because I will tell you, just by understanding that you have the power to look past what is obviously being put in front of you and you turn around in a circumspect, in a circle, circumference, a surface, you know, going around the perimeter of something, you will see so much more. And like I said, it does not have to be as difficult as people might want um, to make it. Now, here is another one for decoding the heist. And that is... When something, I want you to take on a bit of danger. When something is is presented as taboo, go towards the taboo because a lot of times that's where they hide what they don't want you to do. A lot of times you will find the things that a society wants to make taboo is where a lot of what they are enjoying or what they want to keep to themselves or keep you away from is hidden under the cover of taboos. And 
It doesn't have to be everything, but that is a good place to, to start. All right. And so as I'm coming to a close, here is another thing that when I started learning it and looking at uh, this over and over again, I started to get better in decoding what was going on and what, what's really happening. And that is to learn the flow of things and concepts real quick. Um, one of the things that I have experienced and learned over the years that when we're looking at concepts like innovations and things like that, a lot of times um, necessity truly is the mother of invention. And you'll have a lot of things that are invented or put together that are meant to help the poor, the disenfranchised, the helpless, uh, the children, the homeless, the sickly. And they usually end up helping more, helping the rich and the healthy. An example is plastic surgery, tax breaks, and safety and security measures. Um, there was a, a young doctor on the battlefields of the early wars who saw when he came home the after effect of men who had survived the war only to be ostracized in society because of how hideous their um, scars and, and, and healings looked so that they couldn't go out and live a life of uh, quality. And so be, this this doctor started working on uh, non-essential uh, surgeries to help fix normally a, a deformity of their body or their face, and they called it plastic surgery. And it was meant as a non-medical, non-medical necessity uh, uh, surgery to help people socialize. Well, as you would have it, what normally happens, happened. Those with the resources to afford it started making requests. It got more popular. Uh, the demand went for um, demand of it went up and thus the price went up. And then it became relegated as something that the rich and the powerful were able to access. And it moved out of the hands of the everyday person who might have needed it for, uh, social means to assimilate back into society. So that's an example. Another thing to look for when understanding the flow of things is ideas, concepts, and movements usually flow from the creative to the conservative. And what I mean is, is when a concept is fairly new, it is very flexible. It can be quote unquote liberal. It will be um, encompassing. But as that same concept, uh, movement, or um, idea uh, continues to uh, live and thrive and, and grow, it becomes established, it becomes a standard, and then it becomes firm, and then it becomes conservative with a lot of rules and uh, traditions uh, and uh, rituals associated with it where people get staunch and very staid in how they look at stuff. And so once you start to look at these types of things, look beneath it. Ask yourself, is this a concept that has been established for a long time? Am I dealing with something that really is something um, that uh, is conservative, but they're trying to pretend like it's something else? Uh, and remember, use the, the skill of context. Have I seen this before? Figure out if it's a metaphor for something else. Figure out what they really want from you. All right. 
and hair. Oh my gosh, this right here. Yesterday we talked um, a wee bit about uh, the TechCrunch article with the FBI and uh, the smart TVs where they were so busy talking about putting tape on the cameras, but they neglected to mention, but still they, they were still saying you could use your TVs, but what they failed to mention was that using these TVs is going to give uh, these companies and their uh, their customers a crap load of information about you that basically uh, overrides your privacy because they can glean so much from you by what you do with how you program your TV, what you watch, how much you watch, and all of this kind of stuff. And they're doing it under the radar where you think that you're safe now because you've got this security patch and <laughs> like like I said yesterday, you've got uh, you're ushering out the little foxes out the front door and the wolf is in bed with you. And so as I'm bringing this to a close, I want to I, I just want to say something here. And that is um, there was this um, this quote attributed to Napoleon Bonaparte that they kind of cleaned up. And the quote goes like this. Never interfere with your enemy when he is making a mistake. But if you go back and look at a closer translation to what was said, it says never interfere with your enemy when he is committing suicide. And so looking at that, you have a lot of times where people are so busy um, trying to get something out of you that they're they're not interfering, not get something out of you, but so many people trying to make a living, trying to um, win at this marketing thing that they are not paying attention uh, to you. And, and so unawares, people begin to do things that are not necessarily healthful. Now, I know that I have uh, taken two days to talk about the heist, and I want to say this, that the reason why I'm saying this is not about any, any, any kind of conspiracy theory. It's just to help us to open our eyes to see what is really going on, because so many times we only concentrate on the big eruptions of flames when we need to be really focusing on those tiny sparks and that kindling that can devastate. And I just want to kind of like say, wake up before it's too late. And so with that, guess what? Yes, my time is up. I do thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spivey, your practical priestess of wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Don't forget to check the show notes and please consider using our Amazon link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. And I'm going to see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful one. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.